My thanks to Inez uh, and to Manuel for reading those two passages, which are the lectionary passages for today, the first Sunday of Advent. Those of you who uh, watched the in-betweeners on TV or in cinema, an often rude and usually crude coming-of-age comedy, will no doubt be wondering what on earth is coming. Well, you'll have to listen. Many years ago, in an era before smartphones and mobile phones, my parents set off for a meal at the home of some good friends. When they arrived, it was absolutely clear that no one was at home. The house was in darkness and apparently empty. So they waited in the car for about 15 minutes and then set off back home somewhat bemused. Arriving back home, they found a note stuck on the back door and it read, came round for the meal we arranged, where were you? (laughs) They'd visited each other. As we came into church this morning, did we think that we were coming to visit God or did we imagine that God is coming to visit us? Who's visiting who? It might sound a silly question, but so often we talk and our language indicates what we think. So we talk about coming into God's house. We talk about coming into God's presence. We talk of religious experiences as coming to God. As if we take the initiative. And most of the time, that's quite helpful language because we understand it and we use it. But the biblical view, which is startlingly plain in Advent, is the reverse of that. The Bible talks all the time about God visiting his people. And at Christmas particularly, we celebrate God coming to the world as a human baby. And at Advent, which begins today, the preparatory season for Christmas, we talk about the Lord who visits and redeems his people. And particularly, we begin to talk at the start of Advent about his promise to return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, his second coming or sometimes second Advent. The essence of Advent and Christmas then is that God enters human history. He visits us, if you like. God takes the initiative in Christ, whether as a child at Bethlehem or as Lord of Lords at the end of time, he's visiting us. Now, many visitors make very little impression upon our lives. Two days after a visit by someone, your partner or child will say to you, "Um, wasn't it nice that so-and-so came round the other day? And you say, hmm, now, who was it again? You clearly haven't remembered end of conversation. But other visitors have a crucial effect upon us. And the visit of God in Christ Jesus, his arrival, his advent into the world is always a vitally important event. In fact, for the scriptures, whether as a baby at Bethlehem or the Lord of Lords at the end of the earth, it is the coming. 
St. Thomas Aquinas once wrote, no one who meets the living God will ever be quite the same again. And it's so. How you await a visitor can also vary enormously. If you're awaiting a loved one, a precious one, particularly if you've not seen them for a long period of time, you you almost count down the days to their arrival. Each day seems a week long. Each minute drags by. Time seems to stand still. You prepare their room. You buy the ingredients for the meal that you associate as their favorite thing. You work out what you will wear when you go out. You rehearse the questions and information that you want and the conversations that you'll have. You can't wait. And if at the end of the day the visit doesn't happen for whatever reason, you are devastated. The visitor you dread is a completely different matter. Time speeds round and there's never enough of it. Every act of preparation is an effort. You regard the period of their visit as trial or even torture. You've got no idea what to say to them after 10 minutes. And if the visit doesn't happen for whatever reason, you were elated and go out to the pub. I wonder how you react to the arrival of God in Jesus Christ. Because that's the fundamental question that Advent and Christmas pose to us. Our passage from Luke hints at both dread and delight at the coming of Jesus. In verses 25 and 26, if you just want to look at them, this is not a a Bible study type sermon, but if you just look at the passage Manuel's just written, read for us 25 and 20 people will faint from terror apprehensive of what's coming upon the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken and at that time they will see the son of man coming in the cloud with power and great glory it's it's a thing of dread what on earth is happening it's the end of the world and then in verse 28 the mood changes When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Do you see the two moods? I can understand the feeling of dread. The gospel talks about there being an end time. It isn't just Hollywood hype, though it probably will not be like Hollywood renditions of the apocalypse or Armageddon. But it's effectively God through Christ saying that there is a sell-by date for humanity as we know it. The fig tree in the passage of Luke there is simply an image, a very plain image about being savvy. When you see that this tree is doing what it's meant to do, you know what season it is. You can't know the day or the hour 
when the Lord will come back and God says enough. But you can know the season. Look for the signs. And even though we go through life and act and plan as if life as it currently is is going to go on forever. Advent is the time when we remember it will not. There will be an end time. I remember as a young boy being told to mix some concrete while my dad went for some more sand. And I did my best and I made the concrete and dad wasn't back. So I waited a while and he still hadn't come back. So I thought, I'll build the wall. In just over an hour, I had built a stunning six foot long by three foot wall in an hour. My dad arrived back and full of pride, I showed him my masterpiece. His face fell and he went, oh no. Besides being completely wonky and keeled over, plumb lines aren't in it. I'd apparently used the pile of stones that he was keeping to build the Yorkshire fireplace. I was not flavour of the month. We have no right to assume either as individuals or as communities or nations or indeed as a human race that when Christ returns it will be to pat us on the back and congratulate us for the brilliant job that we've done. I can think of times in my life when I certainly didn't want to be visited by a just and holy God. I wonder if you've had times like that yourself. I can think of times in the life of our land and our planet when for Christ to return and to take one look at us will be a thing of utter dread. You watch the news, you see the things around the earth, you see the things we do to one another and you don't need the Lord's return. You look and you say, what on earth are we doing? I think the apostle Peter knew this feeling when he once said to Jesus, depart from me, Lord. I'm just a sinful man. But I have to tell you, and I hope you won't think it presumptuous, that for Christian people, for men and women and boys and girls, through the gracious action of God, rather than because Christian people are innately superior in any way, it is possible that alongside the apprehension, the dread, is an eager anticipation of Christ's coming again. Because all the way through the New Testament, not just in Luke chapter 21, there is be ready then because these terrible things, these signs are coming. And as for you, look for the signs, anticipate them because your Lord, your salvation is coming. And one of the wonders of the Christian faith is that when we look at Jesus, 
when we hear what he says about God his Father, the picture of God as a judge demanding justice intertwines with the fact that this God is also a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And Jesus said, God is Father, loving, good, just, fair parent. In other words, in spite of our deep unworthiness, we can look to the coming of Christ with anticipation, not simply dread. For in Christ, God offers us not only judgment, but forgiveness. In that is our only trust. But the gift of salvation needs to be received and opened and lived out. Christ needs to rule in our hearts. It's the clarion call of Advent. When he who the Lord sends comes, will you receive him? You see, Advent and Christmas indicate that we're people, every one of us in this chapel, we are living between times. We are the in-betweeners. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and before the paint is dry in paradise, humanity rebels and falls away. And then, after prophets and messengers have tried but ultimately failed, God decides to come to earth in person, in Jesus, in a baby, in Bethlehem, the first advent. And this baby grows and does not, as some fully expected and prophesied, bring about the end of everything temporal by smashing the Roman occupiers like a Marvel comic hero with supernatural powers. Instead, he teaches and heals, he forgives and restores, he lives and he loves and he dies on a cross. He's raised from death by the power of the Father and he returns to heaven, leaving his disciples to carry on the work of God's kingdom. And he says he will come again, the second advent. And so he will. So you, like generations before us and any generations that come after us, live in between the first advent and the second advent. And when he comes again, what Luke is trying to say for us is perfectly simple. When he comes again, there is a sentence upon everybody who has failed to live according to God's laws. And because we all sin and fall short, we're guilty of that sentence too. We're not what we would need to be to stand before the Son of Man without blushing and looking at the ground and wringing our hands and shuffling our feet. What an evocative last line of the gospel leading it is. That you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So our relationship with Jesus in these 
in-between times is actually vitally important. Are we his or not? Have we received his offer of saving grace, which on days like this, we remind ourselves have huge significance? Have we invited him to lead our lives or not? Is it making a difference to the way that we live our lives or not? Because Advent does something rather starkly that we tend to forget about in most of the other times that we live our lives. And that is that all those things aren't there for their own good or that we feel comfortable, but there will be a time when God says, it's now. And at that moment, we'll know how important it was. Because how we live our lives and how we live our lives with others and how we live our lives in a world at such a time as this determines in large part what Christ's return will be, what measure of dread and delight. When we were very young, my little brother and I used to play hide and seek. It was a rubbish game because... I always knew where he was because whenever I got anywhere near, he could hear me looking and he'd shout out, don't look in the wardrobe, I'm not here. When faced with the expectation that God in Christ will one day come to the earth as Lord and judge, many of us effectively do exactly the same thing. We hide away somewhere shouting, I'm not here really, don't take any notice of me. We pretend not to be at home to the visiting God. And free will gives us that right, we can live every day of our lives until that day saying we're not at home. And God gives us that right even though God longs for us to accept the offer of salvation which is the thin line running all the way through the scriptures but on that final day whenever it is it won't be possible for any of us to shout I'm not here look somewhere else the time for that will have gone But of course we say that'll never happen. What a load of uh, nonsense, Martin. I know you've got to preach what it says in the gospel, but really, come on. Jesus is going to come at Christmas. We're preparing for it. We've ordered the turkey. Some of us have even started to put our Christmas trees up. Jesus is going to come on December the 25th and he's going to come on our terms as a little baby as always and we'll sing our carols and we'll stuff our faces. We'll be ready for that, just about. But what happens, just supposing that the Lord Jesus returns before Christmas? In what state and situation then does he find us? In our house, a complete bombsite. Dread or delight? 
as a wise Christian used to say, and it epitomizes this call for Advent. Remember what you do about Jesus in this life determines what he might do with you in the next.